Welcome, Jurassic fans, to the 142nd episode of your Revenant podcast. I hope I got that number right. Anyways, I'm Dan, your host, and now coming from the very depths of psychology, uh, psycholary. <laughs> ah, hello. <laughs> hey there, mate. Uh, Matthew Millen, he wanted me to never do an introduction to anyone but him, but he didn't show up, so he deserves that. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, Jurassic fans, it's great to have you here. And as you can see, the voice of the narrator is missing. So I guess I'll have to do something about that. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Who are going to call? Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, we're kind of having this adventure just like a you guys and the two of us today, you know, Larry and me, and perhaps the Dancing Queen, if he comes up dancing, you know, if he waltz into the room for no reason. I think he went bolting, so. Oh, okay, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Anyways, you guys, so uh, do get your copy of An Unwanted Discovery and let's do this. So, My cute mug. Oh. Uh, Look at just how cute she is. So today we are doing the grave bitch. A bitch. Let's be careful with the pronunciation there. Bitch. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, let's do this. The last morning was as lifeless as the night that preceded it. With the flock extending beyond the huts, we had a chance to solemnly carry Lane's body and prepare a grave for him, dug with the gardening spade we found in the widow's garden. Sitting cross-legged around the grave, our pale colors, both now clothes and faces, contrasted sharply with the bright colors of the Probactosaurus around us. On this occasion, even the native kept silent. Lucy was still crying a little, with some hatred even. I was finally going to have my father around. She said in a low tone. And a damn crow took him away. I didn't allow myself to correct the animal's classification, although it was appropriate. It's not one should do in a situation of such strong emotions as this one was. And of course, I myself felt an intense pain at the loss of my master, but the worst was yet to come. The pain only grows greater as time passes and you no longer have your loved one in your daily life. Having read about this fact before, the future seemed bleak to me. And what was to be done? We could only feel sorry for each other. Even the bolt was not a viable idea. Besides, our salvation was the least important thing after the irreparable loss of what was the closest thing I had to a real father. Our silence was soon shattered by the leader's roars, who growled, ordering his flock to move, which earned him a glare from Lucy, who condemned his boldness. The effect of such roars was always chaotic, causing Camuni mothers to run to fetch their young in the surrounding trees, guardians to maintain perimeter formation and, at the same time, march, and finally caused the doors for to move en masse, following their protectors the little bipedal pups running happily between the adults' legs. Amidst the confusion that was settling in and the constant noise from the alpha, we got moving too, before we were run over by the Probactosaurus' stumpy legs or another female Kaimunu saw me as a threat. 
Come on, dear, let's go inside, Dorian said, holding Lucy's arm and pulling her away from the makeshift tomb. Still reluctant, she slowly yielded to the lead of the huge man holding her. Since we could not reach Norwegian's boat before the herd left the beach, and since we could not leave the above herd after their departure because the predators around the flock, we entered the house that the village authority had inhabited and settled in, blocking the door behind us and the few windows around it with the house furniture. We waited for some time on the chance that the Australovenators would attack as soon as the band was gone, but this was not the case. We waited for hours on end, having already used up the supplies we had filled our backpacks with. After so long a silence and drumming his fingers on the table, Jacob Keane turned to Lucy and demanded impatiently, Well, what's the plan? Shouldn't it be our job as adults to make the plans? Questioned Parker Norian, his kindly chubby face now frowned, perhaps for the first time in his life. No, no, he's right, Lucy told the native. My father knew that I'm a good leader. He told us to take care of each other, and that's what I'm going to do. I'll take all of you back home. Kevin, do you think you can get into that room and fetch a boss gun? We're going to need it. Is this really necessary? Sounded Jacob King's voice. Can't you reach a static bows without destroying the island's ecosystem? Really necessary, Dr. King? Lucy repeated, turning to his face again. If you expect to see your students again, then yes, it's absolutely necessary. So please, start being helpful. Finishing saying this, she left the scene, also leaving the biomedical doctor with wide eyes and a wide mouth. Looking at the two of us who were left, he grunted, And you, what you doing staring at me? I immediately left, but didn't see the native do the same. Clearly, he had the intelligence not to fear what did not offer him any risk. Ready to go fulfill the mission Lucy had given me, I felt nauseous, apprehensive, and other things, but suddenly not ready. As I approached the door, I took the place the widow had occupied seconds before finding her husband's body. The memory of all we saw in their room was enough to make me take a deep breath and not breathe out until I left it. Entering the small dark room, I quickly closed the door so that the odor would not spread to the other rooms, and tried to locate myself with the little light that the moon reflected through the cracks. The window had been closed by Lucy when we first left the room, and now, knowing what she saw through the opening, I can see that it was a sound idea. Had she not done so, Abal's remains would have already been devoured by the Sinithosaurus, who would have returned to finish the job. The room I was in was still damp and stuffy, as it was the first time I was there, and of course, there was not much hope that would change. As I splashed in the shallow puddle that had formed in the floor, I wondered what was to become of that room. Eventually, wood and flesh would succumb to decay, the ceiling would give way to the passage of time and nature would cover the remains of the house, and perhaps a skeleton, if anything remained of it. So it must be. Diverging from these thoughts, however, I focused on finding the rifle lying on the floor and, indeed, almost let out a relieved sigh when my fingers, groping in the darkness, found something. But a morbid dread replaced the relief when I kicked something metallic against the aluminum shelf. Surprised, I let out a breath, and a putrid odor assorted my senses when I realized that my feet had found a gun, and my hands a decomposing arm. Rushing to leave the room, I leaned against the closed door and breathed out in the clean air outside, trying to rid myself of the odor that seemed to cling to my nostrils. 
Little boy, you got a rifle, gritted Paka Norwegian. There's a bit discouraging to ask, he continued, holding the back of his head. But did you remember to get ammunition? Traumatized as I was, I could only respond by reaching into the pocket and emptying the contents before Norwegian to calm his worries. Taking a boss belongings from my hands, he enunciated, And now, leave it to the adults. Then looking down the barrel of the gun, he went on to say, If those overgrown bears show their faces, I'll take them down for good. We are ready, Lucy. I'm just checking if there's no more food or medicine. She replied, pausing to look for the items. Our captain then headed for the door, with the three of us right behind. After removing the desk that blocked the front door, she turned to our faces and said in a teasing tone, Ready to run? Her calculated words sent a shiver down my spine, caused the native to flinch and came to stutter. It was perfect for us to have the perfect amount of fear, enough to shut our mouth, but not to stop us from leaving the cabin. Still stuttering, Keen attacked Lucy's plan. Sorry, is that your brilliant plan? He complained, fastening the leather strap of the camera around his neck. Not if you have a better one, she replied. And with an exasperated sigh, she continued. Now, please, listen. This is neither the time nor the place to argue, okay? I'm sorry we have to take down some of these animals. I really am. Believe me, this is not my idea of fun. But I failed to save my father. And I won't let that happen again. Faith in the darkness, our little turned the knob of what seemed like a horrifying new world. There was something reassuring about the herd's presence. At least we knew the gardens were protecting the perimeter. Now, though, the attack would come from anywhere, and there were two attackers. The door to the above hut was left open, as there was nothing important inside, and any extra noise was not only unnecessary, but also dangerous. All around us, the bushes seemed to move, and shadows seemed to lurk behind each hut. The tiny village of Amage now seemed to stretch for miles, as we tried to get to Norwegian's boat without making too much noise. After a few minutes of walking at a moderate pace, we spotted his hut, where he had spent his first night on the island, and his boat lying on the beach not far away. We would have let out cry of joy if the situation had been different, but in this case, we heard only sighs and murmurs. Looking around me, I too was already smiling broadly, imagining being safe again, drawing in black and white had been that night, that we would blessedly get to the boat and row towards civilization. We would then return to America and reveal Lane's discovery, immortalize his name in the science books. Unfortunately, this was not how the night ended. A sense of normalcy came over me during what I thought were the last steps of the shaking damage. Absolutely everything was normal. The sand sank beneath my feet, and the refracted moonlight cast long shadows from the surrounding rooftops. Like a child, I was already counting those rooftops and their shadows. Something then caught my attention and interrupted my counting. More than it, it momentarily took my breath away. The roof shadows, almost all of them were at the same height. Almost. On the walls next to where we were standing, the shadow of the neighboring roof followed the pattern of the orders that were lined up. But there was a smaller one, lower, maybe two meters off the ground. It was not as tapered as the roof shade. Only then did I understand what it was. It was the shadow of a snout. With a wee trembling voice, I murmured the name of our leader, which I had to repeat as there was no answer. She followed the direction my finger was pointing to the wall of the herds 
and stood still before the sight. With her eyes wide open, she said, Guys, remember the plan? Saying this, her legs were already moving and we shot off without any time to agree. Going forward, Lucy threw herself against the cabin door, opening it to our passage. Within seconds, we closed the door and propped up the only glass case in the house. With the jerky movement of pushing the cabinet, the fragile framed photographs, some with glass, smashed on the floor, covering it with sharp shards. There was only time for Norwegian to look at the pictures disconcertingly, because a gigantic impact hit the door, pushing the cabinet along. The three of us threw ourselves against it too, pushing as hard as we could, but it was already obvious that we were not strong enough. With sheer body weight, the Australovinator had already opened a gap between the door and the wall, it would soon be there with us. Already hopeless, but guided by instinct, I put all my weight against the piece of furniture and still seeing my feet being pushed backwards, and heard the low sound of the dinosaur, a guttural sound interrupted by cackling, like that of an eagle. It was not a roar, like the large animals who had come to study. It was a variety of noises that interrupted the low notes, making my blood run cold. A second impact came from the next wall, and Lucy screamed, it's here too! At that moment I heard a loud cry, followed by curses against the animals, and turned to King, cowering in the corner against the wall. Maybe that's why it was so hard to push back, but of course I hadn't looked before. Enraged and losing all guidelines of respect, I shouted, You damn coward, come help us! No! He cried out with his hands covering his face. Amidst the hell that was being established there, I felt the weight increase even more. Norwegian had all stopped pushing. Wielding his rifle, he pointed the barrel at the opening gap and shouted, You hungry? The old gun went off with a loud bang and a sound similar to the shoving of his hood. But this time it was the animal falling to the ground. I, I hit it! I hit the bastard in the head! Celebrated the native. Without a powerful creature pushing it in the opposite direction, we forced the glass case against the door, sealing it again. To our right now, the second Australovinator continued to charge at a wooden wall, which was already beginning to give way to the animal's ways, bulging in our direction, long splinters already flying from its fibers. Firing at the opposite wall, Norwegian shattered the window and broke its wooden frame with repeated blows of his rifle and no others. This way, get out, I'll deal with him alone. No, you won't, protested Lucy. Grabbing her by the arm, I then dragged her over and pushed her through, despite how much she struggled. Being immediately, King dashed as fast as the wind straight to the window, and Mr. Norwegian returned to his position in front of the wall where we could already see a crack forming. As the hole opened, the animal emitted its hideous sound, a cackling that resembled laughter filling the cabin. After King, Lucy passed, and then me, but only one leg. Before passing the other, I looked back and shouted, You have to shoot now, Mr. Norwegian! Now! Don't worry, kid. I want to look him in the eye like I did the other one, he replied. Suddenly, the sound of thumping against the wall ceased, and the animal's snout was no longer visible through the gap. Still staring at it for a few seconds, the native tried to concentrate, but failing, he turned to me and ordered, Run, Gavin, he must be coming after you! At that moment, the wall behind him was blown away in one blast. Destroyed by the animal that was not going after us, by taking momentum to throw itself one last time. Not allowing our dear host time to return and shoot, the huge carnival fell over his right flank. Unable to turn around or use his gun, you could only scream again and tell me to run, 
turning my face away, I obeyed, still hearing the shrill cries and noises of a carnival that was already starting to feed. Not far away, I spotted the figures of Lucy and Keen who were already arriving at the rowboat. When I finally reached them, they were throwing it into the ocean, also throwing themselves into it, where only two oars lay. Each grabbing his own rower, they started rowing hard, while I pushed the boat into deeper water. After getting to the boat, I received a terrified look from Lucy, who wondered what had happened. Shaking my head, I squeezed my eyes shut to say that we had lost our host. Still in shock, she slowly looked away and went to rest her eyes on Jacob's neck. Professor King, she said, her voice trembling. Your camera. What about it? This is not the time to take pictures, Mason. God, no, no, my camera. I must have dropped it while we were running away. Do you still have the feathers that Kevin put in your backpack? I would imagine so. That will do. Kevin, can you get the binoculars from Dr. King's backpack? Is that demon still following us? Of course it could. King sat right in front of me. My second thought now, I believe she was asking if I was still physically or even mentally able to do it. And zipping it as quickly as my hands would allow, I rummaged through the contents of the backpack and, lost among fruit scraps and medicine cottons, I found King's old binoculars, which were covered in sun-baked fruit syrup. Turning to look through the lens, I caught a glimpse of the outlines of the village we were living. Row after row were roofs, a house larger than the ones near the edge of the forest, and a much smaller, but cozier one that I could no longer see. When I could focus on the beach and the sea, I saw that something was moving in my viewfinder. Standing on the beach sand, the outline of a large predator stood erect, snout in the air, as if sniffing something. Walking a few steps further, the huge predator stopped at a point in the sand and sniffed again, then dug in. He had found the beach grave. So, it's following us? Repeated Lucy. To spare her the horror of the facts, I lowered the binoculars from my face and simply answered, No, it's not. Yes. Whoa. This is so chilly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit traumatizing, but That's good. Kind of, really good. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, like uh, I, I love the variations that we have just from readers, really. Because Matthew, when he does Kevin O'Reilly's narration and general voice, he does that in such a cheerful way, you no? Know? <laughs> But in my yeah. mind, the original character was supposed to be depressed. So he sounded just like I did now. Yeah. So that was his original voice. But that's Matthew's voice, and that's okay with me. Yeah, right? of I course. <laughs> well, what are your comments on it? Your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> that's my comment. <laughs> no, really. Why so stupid? 
that's my comment. Why so stupid? Norwegian, you mean? Yeah. Oh my god. Because no, I wanna, I wanna look him in the eyes. I wanna be a man. I wanna, yeah. Because I, I know. Because <laughs> I know a few hunters, and I've heard those specific words from them. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, you guys. Yeah. They're not my friends, okay? I just know them. They're my acquaintances, and I hate every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, no, I, I, I really love this chapter. I, it's, it's really detailed, and as always, you, you're a great writer. Oh, oh, I thank you. <laughs> But no, <laughs> as I said before, this is our story. You've been contributing with your voice and emotion, and for, for the you wrote it. Yeah, but for the sequel, I'll need a little bit of help with some uh, psychological aspects. I will ask of you, course. you know, some help. Of course. Yes, because I want to make it a thriller. You know? uh, imagine this chapter as a whole book. You know, oh just do this, this tension through the whole thing. And that yeah. will be dedicated to you. you know? so, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you guys. So uh, this was so bloody good. I, I'm It's pretty sad that Norwegian died because I love his character. <laughs> yeah, but he was stupid, you know. You get what you give, so. <laughs> Everyone in his story is stupid. Lucy's not. <laughs> but Lucy, yes, okay. <laughs> I just want to defend your character, don't you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> sure. oh, she's smart. She's funny. She's pretty. No, she's not, but I don't know if she's pretty, but I mean, you no, remember the picture. Pretty. You remember the yeah, picture yeah. generator, right? So yeah, she is pretty, but funny. No, she's I mean, damaged. I'll, I'll ask her out, so. <laughs> she's damaged. Yeah, she's a bit damaged indeed. Just as the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Oh boy! So after this uh, very depressive story, I guess. <laughs> We uh, we'll keep going. You guys remember that if you want to find out what happens in all of the following chapters, and if you want to be traumatized with the rest of us, do remember that you can get this uh, novel right now on Amazon. So just go and search for and then one in discovery. It is pretty cheap, really. And if you have like a Kindle Unlimited, you can have it for free, right? And if you are a Patreon of ours, you can have these episodes one week earlier. And the book as well, the PDF copy, right? All right, Dunlar. <laughs> that was the ad segment. You know, you guys, if only <laughs> listening to this, I just wanted to know that Larry and Matthew, when he comes by, they always dance when they do the ad segment. All right. So. We're just uh, communicating through our expressions, facial expressions, and hands and bodies what Daniel is saying, you know. Yes, of course. <laughs> to give a more visual aspect to the story. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I guess so. Anyways, so uh, we got some new stuff here, by the way, about you guys, Jurassic fans. So we have uh, some new listeners, you know, from all around oh. the, the world. Yes, yes, indeed. Especially from the US, you know, that's the place that keeps growing more and more for some reason. Uh, but... Uh, I just want to mention, we've also got some new listens from the United Arab Emirates from Dubai. Oh. Yes, indeed. I mean, that's bloody cool just to hear that. 
And uh, well, we have some changes as well on the platforms, and I'm so glad we have because recently we added Amazon Music to our list of platforms. Remember that? I sent you guys that on the group. So yeah. now 14% of our listeners listen to our content on Amazon Music. So thank you so much, you guys. You know, the rest of you listen on web browser, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other. I do wonder what other means, but sure. I guess like <laughs> Podbean or any other like uh, unknown platform. <laughs> other. Yes, indeed. So thank you so much, you guys, for this. This was so much fun. Keep going for this call. We'll be seeing you next week.